0: and welcome to a new episode of the Awaken Together podcast. I'm Kat. I'm Jen. And in today's episode, we are turning to a heavier topic, and it's all about escapism, addiction, and numbing out. So we're going to have more of a conversation today and share our personal experiences on these heavy topics with you. Yeah.
1: So we're not only going to talk about substance addiction, which I feel like is the very recognized um, thing that falls under the umbrella of addiction, but also look at other forms of it, such as codependency our cell phone addiction, social media addiction, the stuff that I think we're all experiencing a lot more collectively too, and dive into those topics. So one of the first things I wanted to bring up is I held a very high standard for myself that I was not an addict. I don't know if anyone relates to this, but I was told growing up that there was A lot of addiction in my family, and that I needed to be very careful on being near substances. It was kind of always this fear relationship. So I was so proud of myself for not ever being addicted to a substance when underneath that, I had a lot of addictions to other things. So, Kat, to start us off, you want to share some of your personal experience with addiction and escapism, and then I will gladly go into some of mine too.
0: Sure. So to take it back to high school, if you have listened to some of our earlier episodes, you know that I lovingly called my high school days, my dark cat days, Mm -hmm. because I was a hot mess. (laughs) You got it done nice and early. That's right. (laughs) I own it now. And I lovingly look back on that uh, little girl with, uh, I don't know, just like compassion basically. Because uh, growing up, being a teenager is really hard in society today. Mm-hmm. So I um, I started off, I think it was heading into freshman year, and I started drinking for the first time uh, to really fit in. Uh, it seemed like the cool thing to do. And while I still wouldn't say that I ever had an addiction to it, I, I definitely abused it. Mm-hmm. Um, i binge drank a lot, like I didn't know any other way, but binge drinking, <laughs> that mm-hmm. was the norm. Um, having one drink at a time, like I, you know, responsibly do now as a 30 year old mm-hmm. was a foreign concept. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and um, just like smoking weed in the school bathroom, like there were no boundaries when it came to escaping for me. And it was also in a sense of fitting in. But uh when it get when it got a little far for me was when I remember um like buying alcohol from someone and uh you know putting it in the water bottles to hide it from my parents mm-hmm. in my room and thinking to myself, wow, I have such a stockpile. Now I could just have this whenever I want. Mm-hmm. And that's when I kind of recognized that that's probably not a healthy thought. That's probably toxic and addictive behavior, mm-hmm. and so I, I did stay away from that. Um, but but yeah, that was kind of how I treated, uh, numbing out and escaping from my my insecurities, my low confidence growing up, and now it manifests in different ways for me. So, um.
1: I'll touch on that in just a little bit, but I want to hear for you, Jen, how that is. Yeah. First, a comment on your experience, too. We were discussing this topic a little bit before we came on, and I do think that beneath a lot of our turning to substances and things like that is this uncomfortableness with ourselves. Um, I really... I think this year was the first year that I wasn't in as much of social settings because I took my year on the road. And what I was able to see even beyond the healing that I've been doing even more these past five years, not um, having necessarily the pressure to show up one way, I really got to experience that in in a bigger depth this year, and I've realized how much I've used that as a safety blanket. Like if I have a drink with me or I'm high and I do something a little bit out there, I can always have like this backup to blame it on. And I liked that you said the difference between kind of abuse and addiction, because I think that is like a slight difference. And yeah, you can abuse a, a substance and still not fall into that necessarily addiction mindset because addiction can definitely get to a point where you do need outside help because substances can actually be physically addictive. And I luckily never fell into that physical addiction. But did I use it to yeah, blend fit in have like a backup excuse in case I was too authentic, too silly, too messy. I could always go Oh, I was just really messed up. And that felt so safe. Than to show up authentically um, and expose and not have something I could blame it on. So yeah, I can relate to your story. And I think a lot of our teenage years, the reason we fall into that is because we need something to blame it on. It's very scary when you have no sense of self to show up in the world a hundred percent without needing a substance to kind of blend into the way we've created our society, it feels safer in the way we've structured things. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, my, my relationship with it, I mean, you guys have heard, if you've listened to the first episode, I definitely took the partying, uh, to a point where it was pretty bad. I was definitely using that as an escape. And then I had my DUI, um, which was my big, kind of catalyst to my uh giant spiritual awakening that I've shared. Um that was a real low point for me and a point where I actually really had to start looking at the why behind a lot of my actions. But what I had learned was I was actually a codependency addict and I did a lot of therapy on this and codependency A lot of times it's recognized in AA as being like the group you go to if you're with an addict because it's a good bonding for people that are in relationships with, um, yeah people that struggle with substance abuse. So Elanon is the meetings that you can go to for codependency. I didn't think I needed that because I was like, I'm not with an addict. Like, I don't think I'm like that extreme. But I read a book once that like hit me right in the gut that she just talked about her own personal experience with codependency. And I really started seeing that I was using people and other people's problems to escape my own very chronically. So you hear people pleasing, which is kind of a little bit of a precursor for codependency. So you have to be careful. But I was addicted to being around chaos and dealing with people that needed me for stability. And I took so much pride in being the the friend that was stable, the friend that could give advice, the friend that was there to, yeah, to support and had it all together. And it was fully fueling my illusion that I was so much better than them, very subconsciously, not actively, but I definitely looked and reflected back on it later. But I was so entitled to think that I was above the addiction when really, if I didn't have people around me that were needing me, I was actually experiencing withdrawal symptoms where I yeah, I felt empty. I felt scared, like silence scared me. Um, I would immediately start calling people if I was too alone, um, or to, in too much stillness, I would start having all these behaviors that were coming from a place of really bad addiction to people, <laughs> like truly people. And yeah, learning and taking it as serious as an addiction to a substance was actually very important for me because it helped me really recognize the urges to seek other people almost constantly around the clock because I was so scared of facing me so that um. is
0: deep and what an incredible realization I mean that is something that takes a lot of therapy and a lot of healing yeah. and a lot of looking at your shadows to even understand and this whole process of acknowledging um your what you're using to escape is a massive step on your healing journey it's a big part of spiritual awakening yeah, and definitely. you know like we've said it before we'll say it again it's you know the path to spiritual awakening is not all butterflies and rainbows. It's a lot of this kind of work and yeah. holding a mirror up to yourself and trying to realize, like, what, is, what are my trauma responses? Mm-hmm. What is triggering me? Why am I this way? And we all know those people who create their own drama. It's
1: kind of similar to codependency, but yeah. kind of on the other side. Victim, uh, victim addiction. Yeah. You can definitely be addicted to even the attention of having a problem like it's it's attention seeking behavior mm-hmm. yes. uh, truly and addicted addiction to attention is really if you peel that back it's a deeper need to feel loved mm-hmm. and connected and a very poor sense of self that yeah you're uh, you're equating attention to love basically mm-hmm. and that is another big problem if you weren't given maybe the tools younger to Know how to self soothe or nurture. or You weren't really shown a good example of what love lo- love looks like. Mm-hmm. Then attention will feel very close to it, and I think a lot of people get addicted to attention mm-hmm. as well. Absolutely, yeah.
0: and we see this. You know, I feel like it's a telltale thing when um when we ha- there's an absent father, and mm-hmm. growing up, maybe a woman will turn to men to fill this void of attention and love, and seek mm-hmm. that love that. They they were so eagerly needing as a child from a father figure in men in other ways and not finding that there and having a kind of snowball into this just toxic relationship
1: with themselves mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So. Yeah, and I'm glad you used the word void too, because that is what it is. It's looking at probably where a lot of the absences were from growing up and reflecting on your childhood. We've brought that up multiple times in different episodes, like looking at what ego identities you've created based on your wounds, looking at the trauma, as Kat said, but it's really looking at where those voids were probably in your life because you're probably filling those voids with these escapism and addiction type things because you haven't really faced the pain of what is underneath all of that. And it comes down again to... Facing some of those emotions, reaching out for help when you need help to even see yourself or being able to have the uh, support of a community, which is why AA has also been like one of the biggest programs for addiction and alcoholism. And it's beautiful because it has built a sense of community. So I think a lot of the people in Al-Anon meetings or AA meetings are also getting what they were craving, and why they turned to substances in the first place, which was a deep need to be seen a deep need to feel feel held, and a deep need to be able to show your shame and your ugly side and not have it be rejected, which a lot of us will have various stories of where that's happened to us, because maybe the people around us weren't ready to hold space for that kind of thing. But There is always a community that you can plug into where you can get that. And I think that's been... Yeah, why those meetings have been so successful on getting people out of addictive patterns?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and so part of the struggle of escapism and numbing out is acknowledging when you're in that cycle to begin with. Yeah, because how do you even stop it if you don't know the problem is happening? So I'd love to uh, dig into some signs of escapism so that you can help yourself identify like when this is happening for you. So mm-hmm. Jen, um, what? How do you? like notice when you're in a a pattern or a habit of Mm -hmm. trying to numb out.
1: Yeah, great, great, uh, great segue. (laughs) Yeah, I think um, until I was on this kind of yoga and spiritual journey and really starting to try to be conscious and mindful of why I was doing everything I was doing, which comes in like layers as you continue to go down the path of it, um, I really, once I was aware that that was the I don't want to say better way to live, but the more conscious way to live, the more aligned way to live. I could really start to check myself on when I wasn't doing that. um, And it would be like, yeah, long periods of I'm definitely was a TV watcher. Like that's definitely how I even grew up was a lot of always having the TV on. um, Definitely going on my phone and checking out. But it's when bunch of period of time has passed and you like completely lost time, which I do want to say too, can feel so good because life is so tough that it feels really good to lose time sometimes. Like being conscious all the time can be exhausting, mm-hmm. um, especially in a world that we've structured with so many rules, so many like, yeah, social norms and obligations. It feels great to check out. Um, but it also, it goes back to that line we've said once before, it's like life living you, or you living your life? Like it's this, it's this balance, but yeah, when I've lost a lot of time, and I, I look up and I'm like, ah, where did the time go of the day, and I know I've just been really mindless in what I've do, I've been doing. That's that's a big thing to recognize for me. And I also use, um, I look at the way I withdraw from stuff, I think it's very important to view like the phone as an addiction, because you actually have withdrawal symptoms from a being addicted to something and I think that's important to recognize that when I don't have my phone with me I actually go through like withdrawal symptoms like I get nervous and when I realized that I had that strong of a tie to that my devices that's when I also started being better at putting boundaries on how much I was using it what Mm -hmm. about you
0: yeah yeah I resonate with a lot of that um for me I Can recognize when I'm in a habit of escapism and numbing out when I am moving super fast in my life. Mm. I just imagine myself as a little top that spun and Mm. hasn't stopped. And um, I can recognize this in my sleeping patterns because I will wake up like. This is like clockwork every night at three a.m. When my when I'm overstimulated, mm. stimulated mm-hmm. um, throughout the day because there's something too with Ayurveda in that time of day that links with your like mental health. Um, And, and yeah, so I'll wake up, like I actually did this last night because the home buying process has been so crazy. Cat's moving into a house. (laughs) So cool. Ah, it's wild. So yeah, it's been a lot, a lot, a lot. And the, we're under contract and there's just deadlines happening every day and all the what ifs of like, wow, is this actually a good financial commitment and not actually taking the time to sit with those feelings and just trying to check things off the list. That's a big habit of mine is I go into planner mode because it makes me feel purposeful Mm -hmm. and it makes me feel like I'm being productive. And we're taught that those are really important qualities to have. Mm -hmm. And so that's how it manifests for me. My lifelong challenge will always be to rest and to check in with myself. I know this about myself. And whereas other people might go the other way and they're just like they go to states of checking out completely and just like watching tv non-stop mm. and kind of going into sloth mode whereas you know i
1: need to do that in order to Break this cycle for myself. Yeah. Sometimes, uh-huh. yeah. But this is going to be such a good segue one day into our enneagram conversation. Oh, yeah. That so fits your enneagram <laughs> archetype too, with that wing three. Yeah. So good. But yeah, that's um. You brought up uh, another good point of, yeah, looking at how you are coping with stress and what your responses are, because that is always gonna usually be a precursor before escapism behavior comes on where your threshold is, what you are experiencing, and knowing that when you're when you're in a stressful mode, that you probably are gonna need a way to regulate yourself down and in and, and whatever way that looks like for you. Some it's like more busy work, some it'll be rest, but um That is where you have to be careful because if you're choosing the same way to respond to stress every time, that's when I think escapism can start to fall into addiction. I think we have to be really careful at um, continuing to let ourselves be uncomfortable sometimes. Mm -hmm. Another thing that popped into my head while you were talking was I try to not use the same stuff to cope. Uh, with things because I think that's when it can become a problem when you have I think there is like a uh, sacredness to rituals and having the same but if you if you get too used to being comfortable in the same thing to wind down from that's when I think it can start to turn habitual and then it gets really hard to break it can you give an example yeah yeah so um I think I think for me, like if I were to say every time I came home from work, then I was going to wind down with TV. Then TV is going to be like that precursor of what I want to go to whenever I'm overwhelmed because I've gotten used to it. What I started doing when I was more kind of on the path of trying to be more aware of my habits was trying to choose different things to settle myself down. I, I like started getting into the mindset, I guess that I need to practice being uncomfortable sometimes mm-hmm. instead of always going to comfort to feel better, if that makes some sense. It does. And so I started like making myself choose different things. Like one day it would be a bath, one day it would be a book, one day it would be going outside. I started trying to make myself, I guess, diversify mm-hmm. my responses to being uncomfortable, which m- maybe there's no backing behind that. That's just been kind of my own experience. But I know the second I turn to the same thing over and over again, then I start craving that same thing chronically. Like if I were to go to my phone to wind myself down every time, I'm going to start choosing my phone again because our brain is always looking for habits. Mm -hmm. It's always looking for, um, it's always looking for the same. And I think we have to be conscious on, yeah, what we're choosing, why we're choosing it, could I maybe diversify my responses to things because it lets you be uncomfortable and maybe more curious than habitual and um, maybe stuck in the same, you know, like the yeah. same responses. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So
0: making it's, it all has to do with our neural pathways because like you said, our minds want to go to the easy, quick fix that we know. And yeah. it's, it's like, it reminds me of a sugar addiction. It's like you're going to crave more sugar the more sugar you eat. Yeah. And it's the same thing with numbing out, checking out. You'll just automatically divert to those habits that maybe at first were a really positive thing. And then they just become second nature to the point where it just checks you out. And you're less present through it because you're doing it so often. And it provides
1: that that ease for your mm-hmm. brain. Yeah, and looking beyond, yeah, I mean, we were just kind of talking more in the physical. You also will have those patterns in how you respond to things. So making sure you're looking at your responses too. If you always respond with anger, and you're becoming addictive to that like anger response, or you always respond with like that "why me" mentality, you can get addicted to that "why me" mentality. Mm -hmm. Um, it really is just like choosing to respond to things differently. I really do think that is an underlying like. Great principle to get used to is what if I tried on a different pair of shoes and tried to like step into this differently? And I started, get, I remember getting curious about that at the beginning of my journey. Like, I know what I want to say to this, but what if I tried? responding differently and when you do something differently it physically almost can hurt your body like you'll feel it because it feels uncomfortable and uncomfortable is not what like our ego wants it wants similarity but I think in that you really can start to recognize where you're getting stuck and why you're getting stuck is choosing that um yeah Choosing maybe the opposite of what you would normally choose Mm -hmm. and like feeling the, I guess it helps to kind of trigger your shadows, I guess, is kind of what is happening.
0: Yeah. 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 Getting uncomfortable is stretchy and when we push our boundaries in that way and kind of force ourselves to do what isn't automatic. um, That's where real growth happens because that's where you show yourself that, Hey, we're going to do something different this time. And you, you change your habits, you shift your life. And that's where like the big changes happen. It's a, a culmination of those small baby steps. And, and yeah, I
1: mean, there's so much, so much to that. Yeah. And I think, I think the important thing to note if you are working on unwinding from yeah. An addiction to anything like underneath that is going to be some pain. It's, it is shadow. It's the shadow that chooses to escape and numb out and check out anyway. Um, So underneath that is going to be a lot of pain surfacing. And so to remember that you don't have to manage that pain by yourself, like find your people, but also know that pain gets a really bad rep for being bad, and it's just not always bad. It hurts, but that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Facing your pain and facing the underlying emotions can be the most freedom, and um, yeah, the best steps on your journey can be those moments that you're in pain feeling it. it pain is aliveness. It's a liveness that maybe we don't crave, but it is the opposite of being dead and numb. So remembering to like honor some of the pain that comes up as you start to face some of this stuff, because it's yeah, it's another level of like deeper healing.
0: Absolutely. And when you don't have those distractions, it's in your face and you're forced to deal with it. Um, it's it's hard. So mm-hmm. you can set yourself up for success in a number of different ways to make this process easier for you. You can reach out to a friend, maybe it's the same person, maybe it's your partner, as you're switching up your habits. And you know, you can even hold each other accountable. Um, you can say you're trying to shift your habit from watching TV automatically when you get home or even just having it up in the background while you're eating or or doing things. Double screening is something Mm -hmm. that I get super guilty of being on my laptop in front of the TV screen, but it is comforting. So sometimes I let myself. But if you want to try to crack that habit, um, setting yourself up for success could look like having a book that you've been wanting to read right in the place where you'd normally sit down to watch tv so it's Mm -hmm. in your face and it becomes like a next automatic way where you're you're kind of thinking about your future self and ways where you won't just kind of sink back into those old habits
1: i love helping my future self it's like one of my favorite things to do (laughs) (laughs) i love it set yourself up for success um yeah great advice and yeah find your community and i i seriously i really do recommend Uh, recommend like the Elanon meetings like it's really beautiful if you don't have a community our awakened together family is getting bigger and it's been so nice to see that too but tap in with people that can hold that space for you because it's really scary to unveil all that stuff if you don't have a support system because part of the reason some of the addictions might have been started in the first place is because maybe your environment hasn't been a very safe space to expose your authentic self. So, yeah, find your community, really really find your people. I've said it a couple times that that is that is so significant. And as they say in AA, it's, there's a surrendering to kind of a higher power too. And I do think if you put energy towards consciousness, you get a lot more than you're expecting to get. Um, I really do believe in that higher power being there and helping too. And that is my spiritual side. Yes. When (laughs) you put the
0: intention out there,
1: you're met with everything that will help align you to get there. Yes. So, so go through that little rocky patch, but know like there is a big system that'll help when you have a form of surrendering Mm -hmm. and trust and you show up and do the work. So
0: just ask and you shall receive. (laughs)
1: Yes. So this was a great talk. We wanted to emphasize if you have not gone and rated our podcast, we would love to have a rating so that we can continue to build our reviews and build our community. And we have our Awaken together podcast, Instagram page. If you are not on there, we would love to follow.
0: Yes, thank you so much. And one final reminder that we have just a few spots left on our upcoming Awaken Together retreat in Breckenridge, Colorado. Yeah, we haven't even publicly launched it yet. And just from Mm -hmm. announcing it here on the podcast, we have five spots taken. And we assume that two to four of those will be taken in the next uh, few days. So message us on Instagram again, find us, we love to hear from you and just connect deeper with community. Um, you can also go to catalystliving.com offerings to check out more information online. But that's all we have for you today. hope you have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time. Bye.